Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we talk to guests about motion design, editing, filming, 3D, graphic design, audio, producing. This week we're going to be talking about directing, editing, colour grading, motion, post-production, compositing and owning your own business. We're going to be doing that with a really good friend of mine. He's a DOP, a director, huge background in filming and post-production. Thank you so much, Marco Siraki, for coming on the show today. Oh, Blair, thank you very much for having me. That's a, What an introduction here. That's amazing. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, Marco, take a moment to tell everybody what you've been doing over the last couple of years as a director in New Zealand. Yeah, so, uh, look, I mostly now I'm uh, sort of operating as a director uh, independently, um, you know, working mostly with agencies and um, yeah, also clients directly in there. Um, I'm also running a little production service under the umbrella called Content Boutique. Um, so I started in TV years ago back in Germany still, so I ended up going to New Zealand in 2006. And uh, since then, I've been doing sort of various roles in production and mostly agency work and uh, went out 2015 by myself as an as a independent director as well as starting a little production house. Kind of like doing two things in a way, you know, I'm working as an independent director directly with agencies uh, where I just come in to sort of just me as a director DP, depending on the budget and the brief. Work for them, you know, write a treatment, work close with creatives and then sort of uh, make the production happen. Content Boutique is like an umbrella I use as a production company to run the whole project from A to Z. So that, that goes even further that we also end up working with yeah, client directs as well as small agencies. So it really comes down to the brief in the end of the day and how many people are required to do the job. So sometimes it's just me slash, you know, a small crew. And sometimes it's uh, me with a full on crew with doing that whole project basically under the name of uh, Content Boutique. So uh, yeah, it's sort of both at the same time. It's a really interesting situation where you can have a production company that can scale as your needs do. And with you having such a big background in post-production, your understanding of all the different areas, but also being really connected to um, talent in New Zealand and globally who can come in and help you out for those projects as needed. A big part of it must be sort of just keeping up those relationships for being able to scale. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, and I think uh, that's one big part of my job now is actually to keeping that relationships going, which is, uh, you know, the fun side of things <laughs> because you professionally get to drink coffee and uh, and uh, sometimes catch up for beers in a professional <laughs> way, um, which is always a nice, nice thing to do. But um you know, I think for me, um, the, the the reason why it's been going so well in, in, in operating in that sort of way is because of exactly that. Often when I do have time, I still enjoy and like uh, taking the whole project through even the post. And often I end up doing my own little edits. You know, I'm doing the color grade if time allows, obviously. Um, and if not, look, I'm always, um, you know, very keen to talk to. There's a lot of amazing, talented people out there, um, especially here in New Zealand. You know, it's it's such a cool industry we are in and we know each other and you know we always try to help each other out and and that's a big part of what I do now and it's 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 a fun part you know it's, it's great. We met a long time ago and yeah. we worked together at an agency and we worked quite closely together and I wanted you to come onto the team because you had an understanding of post-production which you could help out in many projects but at that time, we were really scaling up what we were doing internally as far as filming went, and we needed an internal director who could uh, work closely with the creators and uh, really manage those budgets and um, executions that might not have big budgets behind them, but creatively were really great opportunities for the agency to grow and to showcase what the what they could do. So you came into um, the agency as a director for us internally and it was really cool seeing you grow in that role and to a point where you could then go out on your own and start um, start working under your own identity and brand and also your own production company. So having started out in TV film a long time ago, moving into post-production, then advertising and then back out <laughs> on your own, you've really come full circle. And yeah. so Having gone through all those different stages, for you – been a director now, having had your hands on the tools, on the camera, 
in the software. How much how much of that do you bring to each job that you're doing now? <laughs> good question. Very good question. Um, sometimes a lot, sometimes less. It really comes down to um, you know where um, where everything is going, and often you know budget predicts a lot nowadays. Um, so with being able to do multiple uh, things and, and, and different tools and stuff is obviously very handy because you can do a lot yourself. But at the same time, again, time is time is probably my biggest enemy. <laughs> like probably with many sort of people in our industry is you can only do so much in a day. Um, um, it's very nice to hear from you, Blair. Like, obviously, it's 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 nice to hear. Um, you know, when you say you see me growing, and that that is exactly what what you know was amazing for me to sort of start in TV because my background is more TV and documentary, really. Um, I started in a TV station in Germany, uh, two thousand and one, which feels like a long time ago. <laughs> Really, it is a long um, time ago. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I needed that. Um, so there's probably all those like wrinkles coming from now suddenly. <laughs> so um, yeah, and then um, you know it was it was a it was a great learning curve for me. I, I started um, started there as a soundy really, and and second camera, and just pretty much assisting the old school, very experienced cameras, uh, camera operator DPs in Germany. And they're really old school. Um, I learned a lot about lighting, uh, you know, everything else um, in terms of camera and production on set. Um, there was always one thing which really bothered me was the fact when we, we finished shooting, we basically, back in the time, we gave the tapes away. You remember those tapes? It's not like cards nowadays. It's like yep. it was still proper tapes. So we went into this sort of corridor um, of lots of rooms. Uh, they're all shut doors. And every now and then one, one door would open up, a hand comes out, grabs the tape, goes back in, the door shuts. And then the finished product sort of comes out of that little room. Yeah. And I'm, I was always like, what, what is going on in there? I need to know more about the post-production side of things, what actually is happening there. And also, um, for me, it's the storytelling side of things. Um, if you know more about editing, you, you, you can obviously shoot uh, a lot more, um, you know, the way it should have been shot in order to tell the right story when you think about the post-production, the way you should be editing it later. So um, ended up doing editing assisting uh, for a while and then did my first sort of editing freelance gigs as, as well as I, do, I was doing still sort of assisting jobs and second camera. I was sort of, again, there already was sort of a little bit all over the place between the different uh, departments. Um, yeah, and then we decided to come to New Zealand. And then from there, it was just a natural progress, really ended up in... in um, in uh, at Colenso 99 uh, back in the time doing mostly uh, motion motion graphics as well as filming internally um, which was very interesting because as I sort of started there I was very keen on you know for me I always wanted to do okay cool now I know about editing and stuff like that but I need to somehow I need to make things move you know I need to be able to animate things I need to be able to 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 uh, rotoscope things if we want to remove things out of the picture something it really bothered me sometimes there's something which I can't do so um, you did a lot of uh, tutorials and, uh, you know, obviously trained myself on the job in a way, you know, working with good people, getting teached as, as you go. And then um, it sort of grow through different agencies, uh, you know, ended up in different agencies, obviously working with you, Blair, uh, literally next to you, which was a great time. I remember that vividly. Lots of so, good times, um, yeah. It was a good time. Um, and uh, we had some great projects there where I could really, at the time, there was this big shift going on. I think that agency, agencies overall um, started doing a lot more um, production in-house, which was sort of the, the you know, uh, the, the content stuff, which, you know, was sort of, uh, budget driven in a way you couldn't really go, give it to a big production company um, but you know there was sort of um, you know one man band was re not really enough to, to sort of do that uh, or pull these sort of briefs off so that's where the whole in-house production and agency uh, started more and more the content uh, uh, side of things and um, that was at the same time when I was sort of hanging out in agencies and I was like a big driver of that in a way because I really supported um, that thinking because like you know the tools getting um, more accessible um, and, and it was a very interesting journey like you know after that I ended up at Colenso was there also for like a year uh, a Colenso video for like a year and a half or something and um, yeah I, I think it was the right timing for me that I was sort of going okay cool I've learned all the tools I can learn now where I am at this stage of my life and my career uh, work with great creatives work in-house in an agency see how things are going you know work with amazing people along the way and I felt very comfortable to to sort of go out there 
as as myself as a as a director as well as starting content boutique and um all of this was you know helping me now when i actually look back at the time and look at what the way i'm operating now um i often end up doing a lot of producing because of the knowledge i think um you know sometimes there's always many ways of approaching a brief or project but knowing the post-production as well as the production the different cameras the lenses what sort of format you should be shooting on in order to reach the goals what's possible what isn't for that particular budget that helped me a lot to put the right crew together and get the right people on board to actually make things happen um and and that's been going really well and since then i've been pretty much doing that and there was uh, i don't know what is it like we're almost to 2020 so five years now yeah uh, which is amazing yeah I'm going to have some links to your website. That's for Content Boutique for the um, production post side of it, but also yep. your own um, site for directing, um, yep. Marco Soraki. So we'll have links in the show notes for everybody to click through. But just looking at um, the clients that you've been working on, the brands as well, you've got Visa and Sony, Mini, Volkswagen, Mountain Dew, Burger King, Hyundai. You know, you've got work with the All Blacks and um, the Vodafone Warriors. Yeah. Air New Zealand, ANZ, ASB, BNZ, Lotto, yeah, the list goes on and on and on. I know, it's a lot now, eh? It's amazing when you read that out like that, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool to see you flourish through your career um, as we work so closely together and knowing how passionate you are about having knowledge about it. And that's really what a director has to have is this burning desire for the knowledge and interest in all the different departments and all the different parts of a project from start to finish. I'm thinking of the likes of um, Fincher, who is renowned for being involved and having an understanding of everything from even doing makeup. He's really involved in so many different aspects of of what it takes to pull it all together. As a director, your ability to utilize your knowledge and understanding of all these areas is really vital to basically pull the best out of any project you can. So it's awesome to see the amount of work, but also the quality of work that you've got and the variety. Like there's a massive variety. Oh, thank you. It's hard to not end up being a little bit pigeonholed as a director. I know that people like to say, oh, he does this kind of work and seeing, you know, a lot of car work on your reel and working with telcos and things like that. Do you, yeah. you know, showcasing what you've done, but also not being pigeonholed. Has that been something in your mind as you've been um, growing as a director as well? Yeah, yeah, totally, man. And, and <laughs> it's a good question. It is, it is a funny one because I think just when you look at my career, when I look back now, I always had the challenge that I could never really decide which one of the departments do I enjoy the most. So if I, I love camera work and I'm a camera geek, I love all the new toys and tools and lenses and everything. But at the same time, I'm very passionate about post. I love color grading. And, um, you know, when, when it's a tricky compositing job, I often like to get my hands often on, on that myself because of um, I want to figure out what's the best way to do it. And, and I think having that challenge of never really being able to decide made me go through all of these different departments which now, um, look, of course, as a director, we sort of try to hit a particular style, um, uh, becoming someone who's very good at just that one thing. And there's a, obviously there's this famous uh, saying of, uh, um, uh, oh, what's the saying again? Jacob the, um, trades, master of none. Yeah, this, thank you very much. That's so on. So obviously you hear that um, every now and then, you know, you got to specialize. And I remember back in the day when I think back very first beginning in TV, the really old school camera guys, when I was talking about editing, I want to know more about this and that. And they constantly kept telling me, you've got to specialize. You have to do only one thing. You have to be good at only one thing. And I always just sort of fought that a little bit because I thought, I don't know, man, like in order to, to be really good at one thing, you need to kind of know what you need in order to get there so with all the things around it as well and where the technology is going or went at the time that you know lots more stuff was online um back in the day was only tv and now we've got all these online channels and you know gear gets cheaper it's more accessible um you know you've got all the tools there but it still comes down to the knowledge of how to put them together you know everyone can cook but you not necessarily tastes well so um, I definitely yeah. know what you're saying because it was the same for me in my career. Uh, when yeah. I graduated, um, 
being in New Zealand, a lot of people were like, wow, it would be amazing to work at Weta and work on Lord of the Rings and yeah. or work at a post facility that's really, they want you to be specialist in what you're doing. And I did have that experience of working in a post facility. I remember really clearly uh, going for a job interview in Australia um, mm. at a really, really top end company. I won't say which one, but they looked at my reel and they could, they wanted me to be a 3D modeler. And I was like, the last thing I wanted to do was 3D modeling, <laughs> but that was what was on my reel. But I wanted to do compositing and I was, I'd yeah. been playing on the flame and I wanted to do yeah. editing and I wanted to flesh out motion design yeah. and all of this. And they're like, they're, I literally could have had a job and maybe, maybe I blew it and I could have grown in that, that role as well. But yeah. I just knew yeah. in my heart just like you're saying that I really did want to try lots of things and I was interested yeah. in it. And for me, being a director and being a motion designer or a motion director, they're very similar yeah. in that you actually get to pull all these interests into your work. So in hindsight, it was the perfect thing to do, especially as the technology democratized who could have access to it. Back in when we started out, it used to cost half a million dollars to have a DaVinci Resolve suite. Now I know, like, and I get it for free. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you yeah. pigeoned yourself to be a colorist, yeah. you're still rock star colorist in the industry. But really, if that was what you did, kind of limiting, unless you're the best of the best, people yeah, want know. to have a Swiss Army knife, but it doesn't mean that you are average at lots of things. It's that you have yeah. a variety of skill sets that you're really passionate and like you, and me, I know that we've both done this. You actually spend a lot of time really focusing on that skill set and growing it because yeah. I've seen you move from role to role over the years, but you're focusing on something. It might be filming, it might be editing, it might be color grading, it might be lighting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That you actually had to still spend oh, yeah. a lot of time learning those disciplines as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and, and, and you, you saw right, Blair, like you and I are very similar in, in that respect. So um, it is really amazing, obviously, watching you, um, you know, the same way. We sort of have the pretty much same path in a way. And, and I think um, the bottom line of what we do, you or I, like it's, it's the same thing the passion drives our knowledge you know I don't feel I, I need to study something because I need to study it I always wanted to know it yeah because for me I wanted to figure out how that is working and how I can get that thing um you know um I don't know whatever it might be like is it compositing is it I, I wanted to get the right look for the for the for the piece I was working on or I want to get the right lens the right camera the right setup for whatever we're doing and um research and 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 teaching yourself um to 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 get good at that never felt for me like learning because I had such a passion for it and and all these years now I sort of feel like um it's probably slowing down a little bit in terms of how I make things from the technical side of things because I'm, I'm pretty okay with most of the stuff I do. Hardly ever I need to sort of really, really go back and, and, and revisit things, how to make things. But I think now for me, I want to fine tune my creative, uh, yeah, my creative passion a little more and, and figure out a way of using all that knowledge now and, and become a better storyteller and be, be a creative storyteller too to basically you solve problems along the way to find the best way to do things, um, matching the limited budgets nowadays. Lots of the stuff I do, I do TV ads as well as sort of, uh, I, I like to call it high-end talent-driven content. Yeah. So it's not content where you grab a camera, you go out and shoot for the sake of having footage. You mentioned Visa, one of the project was for Visa, but it was content, but it was talent-driven and, and we needed to run a casting and there's all this sort of, so we run it like an ad and, and there's nothing different in terms of the production side of things, how you're going to do it. Uh, the only difference is it's going to end up on online or TV, but in terms of the way you have to do it, it's the same thing. But the budgets are usually a lot smaller, so you have to be a bit more clever how to run things. And I think having a knowledge of um, all the different departments and the different ways of doing things um, really helps to uh, potentially get there. The, what I'd like to sort of think is the most clever way, but um, you know, maybe there's <laughs> maybe sometimes there's better ways of doing it. But um, I think. Yeah. Um, that's probably one thing where I felt I'm pretty strong at it now to get the best out of the limitation of what's available to me. So if you have a lot of budget, um, then obviously you get the best people on board. But often, you know, for this sort of high-end talent-driven content, even though it's big brands, they don't always have that 
you know, big amount of money to spend on a particular, uh, you know, piece of content. Yeah, it's part of the fun. Figuring that out is part of the fun. It's part of the challenge. Yeah, definitely. I just want to loop back a little bit. I'm always felt like a student. I've never stopped growing and being yeah. hungry to learn. And like most people, it's really hard not to feel. Um, that there are so many other people out there that are doing really amazing work at a much better level. I want to make the best work that I can for myself and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I want to focus on what I enjoy doing and that's why I've got, I focus on the disciplines I do. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've seen with you, you've got this real hunger to grow, but it's the craft of what you're producing as well and the, the look and the feel, but also how well it communicates and executes the client's needs. And, yeah. and that's what I think has really shown through in the work that I've seen you've been producing. Because look, in the end of today, and you're right, uh, I think that's, that's actually a very big driving force in me, for me in a way, because I think when I work for a client, I work for that client, I want to get the best out of their projects in order to give my skills and and experience to them so we get the best out of whatever they're wanting to do. If you do it that way and and you keep your clients happy, then usually they come back and they see that passion. And and I really, uh, I appreciate that comment a lot because I feel often we are getting a little bit carried away with wanting to do too much, too creative, too fancy, just to make it look good for us in a way to make ourselves look good. But keeping the client really happy um, and communicate the message clearly. To look back on that, actually, Blair, that comes back to what I was talking about before. I think now I want to concentrate a little more on the creative storytelling side of things. And I think I actually just changed my my email signature to um, director, DP, and creative storyteller. Nice. Um, because I feel, I feel like this is sort of part of what I do now, you know, uh, sort of trying to come up with... Um, other, not necessarily better solution, but other solutions how to reach your goals. And sometimes they're liked and sometimes we go ahead with that. And sometimes, you know, it's like an idea when you pitch ideas to a client, they don't like it. So, you know, that happens, of course, as well. But at least you can try. <laughs> Got to keep trying. And that's part of the creative process is actually constantly trying and rethinking and re-evaluating yeah. what's going on and checking in if it's right or actually shifting and being comfortable enough to shift and not being stagnant. That's right. Yeah. Oh, good point. Looking at some of the work, I really enjoyed the um, New Way Tourism project and some beautiful <laughs> shots. But I'm thinking, what a cool project as well to like go to New Way, a beautiful tropical island, and help promote them as a country. Yeah, that <laughs> was one of my, I guess, you know, career highlights, really. Because, like you said, you know, there's nothing better flying to a Pacific island and 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 you know, flying a drone around. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's just the dream of a job, really. There was only one thing about this one I have to say because like about like two weeks or three weeks after we've shot that the new Inspire 2 came out which records beautiful raw ProRes format and I was like oh dear we just missed that little uh, thing because we uh, we shot an Inspire 1 with a, a X5 camera on it and that's only H.264 compression it looks amazing it looks great but yeah we, we've done a bit of post on that uh, replace skies and stuff like that yeah. but um, I guess we would have done it anyway you know if you, you don't really want to have too many clouds in there but <laughs> oh, the but, amount uh, of sky was, replacements I've done in my life. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Make it more blue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I know it's too blue. We need more clouds in there. <laughs> that reminds me, actually, um, I worked on some projects when you first went directing, and that was for Air New Zealand, and you were touring around New oh. Zealand and shooting lots of different locations in New Zealand, and I was doing the edit and the color grading on that project. It was a lot more pushing, always pushing more blue into the sky. But but um, wow. that was great content because it had the latitude in it because you were recording raw on that one. Again, you know, going back, uh, looking at my, sometimes you actually tend to forget what you've done, you know, and yeah. every now and then you go back to your page and, you know, adjust a few things and you sort of look at, and actually the other day, like two or three weeks ago, I totally got stuck on my own website watching all the stuff <laughs> that I've done. It was so weird, man. I never do that. Um, and I'm going like, man, this was a, that was a nice project and that was a nice project. And then I overall sort of step back and I thought, man, you know, I always want to push the boundaries and I was trying to sort of push myself to the next level, whatever it is, um, you know, is it the, the directing, is it the, the storytelling, is it the creative approach of, uh, of solving a problem? 
Um, but I think overall I can step back now and look at it and go, look, there, there's a, a, a whole bunch of amazing projects I've done where I'm so glad and, and thankful that I was I had the opportunity to work on um, with amazing people, um, amazing experience, you know, and obviously like you know, the outcome most of the time was, you know, expecting, uh, you know, exceeded the expected expectations. And um, it was it was very cool. I had um, had a very good run. Yeah. Very I- I was looking at some work um, on your site, but also on my own drive of work because I knew that I could talk about some of the projects we've been involved in. And I'm going to drill into some of those in a bit. But but as I was was looking at the projects, um, what's really interesting and not having looked back at some of that old work for a while, you don't just see the output. You actually remember the time and the place and what goes around it. And sometimes, you know, the early starts or the late nights or the having yeah. dinner with everybody who's working on it while we're sort of getting uh-huh. getting the work out. You know, it's, it's, it's the intertwined personal memories of the process that's part of it as well. It is. And it is like every every project is like a little story in itself, right? Like um, uh, from the moment you started, the way you pitch for it, the way you start traveling together, the way you're figuring it out, you know, like, and, and I'm always a little sad. And it's a very good point, actually, uh, because obviously now sort of running very independently, I um, and I actually said it to a producer that I wrote an email after the project said, look, um, it's always such a shame when we finish or wrap up a, a gig because like you, you usually don't talk to each other for a while, but there's this intensive time of like two, three, sometimes, you know, uh, eight weeks where you're really heavily involved on emails and casting, location scouting, this, meetings, everything, and suddenly, boom, yeah. quiet. <laughs> and you don't hear from them for a while, you know? And you go like, it's such a shame because you, you like every project is so exciting. And, um, you know, working with these people, um, you know, from whatever agency or production company or clients they are, and then there's quiet again. But, you know, every project has its own story and that's what I really like about it as well. Awesome. You're talking about earlier about um, talent-driven content that you're creating. Yep. And there's, um, there's a thing of casting where you're actually dealing with actors, but what I... What I know about your past, because I've seen you grow, is uh-huh. you've been working with talent that aren't used to being in front of the camera as well. So I'm thinking of like um, the Vodafone Warriors, um, which is a rugby oh. league team for international yeah. listeners, who are really huge in New Zealand. And uh, I was looking back at some of the stuff that they were doing with the Vodafone, and um, there's like... Oh, uh, Johnson, Sean Johnson, looking back at some of the clips and um, seeing Sean Johnson, who was so young at the time, and how yeah. you were working with the team. And I know that you've worked with the All Blacks as well, and the mm. New Zealand rugby team that are so revered globally for their history in rugby, but also yeah. ANZ cricket team. And this was a recent New Zealand cricket team, the Black Caps, recently earlier in the year you were shooting a project and it was when I joined TBWA and funnily enough I took on the edit grade <laughs> posting of that job and it's like yeah. it's like we're working together again after all these years been on quite a few of those, these projects with you, the same team. You probably thought like I, I I know who's that hold on I know that weird German accent there speaking <laughs> off camera to these fellas <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. But it's like, it's a real interesting one where you have a short amount of time with these top athletes and you've got to get the content out of it. You've got to get the right footage. You've got to tell the right story. How challenging is it working with a team like that where you really got to have such a short amount of time, whether they're the All Blacks, the Warriors or the Black Caps? Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Good question. Um, look, it, I, I think time, like I mentioned earlier, I think time is my biggest enemy in, in any um, circumstances in terms of what I do. Like, is it on set with these sort of like athletes where you literally get given a limited amount of time with them in that time? If you want it or not, even if you don't have that stuff yet, they're going to get pulled off set. You know, they, uh, there's so many managers and so many rules around them um, that you have to do really you have to stick to everything they say, otherwise you can just, um, you know, it doesn't even work at all. So, um, again, you have to be very clever. Um, The way you run things, the way you shoot it, uh, you have to think about it. You have to be very clear um, when it comes to the actual moment when you get them on set. 
you know, often people then like talking to them, you know, they get autographs and like all sorts of stuff. Uh, you have to literally just grab them and start, you know, and then, um, you know, trying to get the most out of their time. Um, like I said before, it's funny though, like every project has its own story. So obviously amazing working even with people like the All Blacks or Black Caps and, you know, the Warriors back in the day. So with the Warriors, it was a bit different. Uh, there's a little story to that one, actually. And um, this is just one thing which uh, you're going to have to go through in order to build some trust sometimes, you know. And, and I didn't know about this until uh, it actually has happened. So um, we were on the way to Australia. I flew with these guys. You know, they were very... Um, yeah, reserved towards me in the airport when we were shooting. I was just that guy with the camera and like they were like, oh, I'm not so sure about this guy and back and forth, but they were okay. And then uh, as we sort of flew to uh, Australia, arrived in the evening and we had to go into the team bus, the the, uh, the Warriors team bus. And, um, you know, by then they loosened up a little bit. I sort of always tried to keep eye contact and big smiles and try to sort of, you know, uh, be obviously the nice guy because you you're trying to film them in their day-to-day -day sort of stuff and you don't want to be that annoying person for sure <laughs> um, so when we uh, went on to a team bus I was still filming there because we basically filmed the whole journey from them going from Auckland to um, I think Melbourne was it at the time um, for a game and it was all about how to use their data and their phones and stuff and um, yeah, we're on a team bus, and 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 the team captain was like, "Okay, cool guys. So, um, you know, as we know, um, you know, uh, on our bus, whoever's new on the bus needs to sing a song in front of everybody." <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and I was like, "No, I don't do this to me, man. Oh, come on." And he was like, "Okay, Marco, you, obviously you knew. Uh, so come on here. You know, here's the mic." And then suddenly I find myself, you know, singing a German German like label you know what, what do you call it a um a baby song because i, I know I, that honestly, you're a huge ebba fan i'm sure i'm surprised that you didn't do yeah, some ebba yeah <laughs> well that would have been <laughs> swedish but hey good that would have been fine too but um you know next minute i found myself standing in front of all these massive guys you know the list of vodafone warriors you know and like i'm going like okay here we go and i start singing this german like baby song you know like I a nursery baby. rhyme a nursery rhyme, right. yeah, that's it. Yeah, I had to, like, because I went blank. I, I honestly had no idea right there at the moment. I, the only thing I could remember was the German nursery song. And, and they were loving it, you know. They were clapping and it was all good. And from that moment, it was amazing how, you know, when you do things like that, what changes. Um, the dynamics, yeah. The dynamics. So suddenly I was able to literally go that close with the camera. I, they, they invited me to come in. So, oh, Michael, come here, come from this, look at that. And, and that was really amazing. And I think, you know, that's another thing as a, as a director, DP, like someone who's trying to work with non-talent talents. Um, you have to build that trust uh, that you're not just there for yourself, that you're actually there to respect them, but also doing a job, you know, at the same time. It's a very fine line. Um, especially with athletes where they usually get obviously, you know, um, yeah, they get given everything, you know, everything is sort of organized for them. And um, yeah, it is, it, it is a challenge. But at the same time, again, you know, every time when I say there is a challenge to do things, I feel like for me, it's also a way of um, challenging, challenging yourself and trying to get the best out of that very moment and, and, and learn again, you know, get the best out of that and, and see how you can um, grow within each situation to get better at it. Yeah. It's made me think that there does need to be a level of extrovert qualities to your personality to not be shy about getting in there so that you can build up this rapport as quickly as possible to relax people because even people who act as a profession it's still about um, breaking down those walls to get to the real mm. essence of the of the character of the person to make it real yeah yeah that's right yeah um, it is uh, you know it's a very very fine line and um yeah, it's it's trying to find that balance with everything. Even with paid actors, um, you you got to try to build that relationship in a way that you know people just. I think it's about the trust most more than anything else. You yeah. know, if if people start trusting you, um, they they do amazing things for you. But if you don't trust anyone, you just don't want to do anything for them. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's building the trust really, and and trying to get um, you know go with the flow. Before we go. Um, Finally, I just want to talk about a project that we worked on. I think this was a project of um, 
is a real trial by fire sort of project. And I, yeah. I, with, before I start, I'm pretty sure you know the one I'm talking about. Can only guess. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if we go back, it was in 2012, and we ended up creating 21 pieces of content, and you and I were both editing them, but you had been filming this for seven plus months. And this was uh, Driving Dogs for Mini and SPCA, Driving Dogs. It was teaching dogs how to drive a car to show that rescue dogs from the SPCA are worthwhile and really um, worthwhile to have as pets. So that was a massive project for both you and I, but especially yeah. you, where you're out filming um, 21 different kind of executions and they're all very specific and different. It was a massive project. What were your overall memories of that project? Uh, I think, you know, talking about the highlights of my career, I think that's like that one is definitely on top of it, you know. Um, it's it's not only that I love dogs myself, it was the whole idea um, of, you know, teaching shelter dogs how to drive a car just in order to show that they are not any, uh, um, you know, that they're as clever as any other dog um, in order to, to, to find homes for them, I thought it was an absolute clever idea. And um, being part of a project like that, um, yeah, highlight of my career, absolutely. Because um, I, I remember vividly, like, when um, we were the first shoot was basically going to SPCA, selecting the dogs, which we ended up training. And um, the second day, uh, only that in itself was amazing, seeing Mark Vetti going in there, like, chatting through different things with you know, uh, the guys from SPCA, we filmed it all, captured it all, and it's all good. But then I think about five days later, it was it was not much. It was like three, four, five days later after that selection of the dogs, we had the first shoot at Mark Vetti's place where they trained the dogs. Yeah. And the moment I saw Porter, no, was it uh, Monty, Monty, the darker, yeah. Monty, yeah. The, the darker dog, was uh, basically they, they built this little rig um, with a seat on it, um, the training and, rig, yeah, the training rig, yeah, with with a seat on it and, and a um, you know a, a gear change and, and a steering wheel, a very basic, just out of wood, very super basic with like little wheels and stuff. So anyway, I arrived there and I was like, oh cool, no, oh, are we progressing really well? He said, like check this out, and and <laughs> and Monty jumped on that rig and he put his paw on the on the gear and he put it in gear and he put his paw up on the steering wheel. At that moment, I knew. This is this is gold. This yeah. is going to be so good. Um, this is going to be absolutely insanely good. And I actually went back back at the time to um, the head of uh, head of content or head of TV, like back in the day. And I said to her, like, look, um, I really this one is going to be so good. We're going to have to film every single step along the way because what I've seen today. Um, after such a short amount of time was insane, and uh, that, that was the sort of start of a whole. Um, yeah, of a, of a, a three months, um, I was focusing three months literally on filming every step along the way, how we trained the dogs and, you know, how we built the rigs, how we changed the car and then obviously capturing all this footage and it was down to you and me, Blair, uh, you know, <laughs> to figure out how we're going to build some stories out of that. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we um, obviously that was an amazing team effort um, with everyone involved, you know, I mean, yeah, it was a massive. great idea. Um, it was a great execution from all departments involved. And that, you know, it, it often, and that's one thing which I keep saying about like any, any content, you know, people often um, sort of feel like, oh, the best camera, the best gear will do the trick. But, you know, it, it, it comes back to the basic line of the idea needs to be good. You need to have good talents or, you know, it needs to be engaging of some sort. You can shoot it on the best gear and the best lighting and the best look. Um, if the talent isn't good or the idea isn't good, then it's not gonna it's not gonna help you know it's just it is what it is and obviously a lot of things came together on that one and teamwork was was a biggie and um, it was super successful as you know we've uh, we've cut a lot of views and uh, some of these went viral with obviously a little bit of help here and there <laughs> but um, you know they did really well and. Um, I think you and I even had a competition, eh? I think, um, hold on, we should check how many views Port Monty has now. Does that Port still have more views than Monty? I think so. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was lucky. But anyway, yeah. okay. we, we, we had different videos and um, Marco's yeah. video uh, went out as the hero video because um, it was a live event on national TV on the Campbell show that the dogs were driving – no pressure in front of the whole country and 
and everyone was, you know, you're talking about the team. There's, there were um, so many people involved, creators, producers, um, um, account services, client side. There was just so many people that were involved. Uh, rather than miss people out, it's just like, you know, the talent yeah. that was in it because everybody knew that it was just a great way to showcase these amazing, yeah. beautiful dogs. Yeah. And the fact that they um, that they did drive on live television and then the videos went out and they went completely viral and uh, the video that you were working on got, it's got 18.2 million views at last count. <laughs> so that's always a good thing to be able to say, oh yeah, I've, I've had a successful viral video. Most people will think, oh yeah, a few, couple hundred thousand, but 18.2 million views that's nuts oh, no, it, was, it was insane eh? and, uh, yeah, and, 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 and your one did, didn't do as well but um, it was still alright <laughs> it's not about no, it's not about us it's about the dogs mate <laughs> <laughs> let's get real <laughs> but I love because Blair and I were literally sitting next to each other in the edit suite and Blair was cutting Mon- no we were t- yeah you were cutting Monty's viral video and I was cutting Porter's and then as we released them we said let's, let's do a bet let's see which one is doing better <laughs> But but anyway, um, what was so cool is that project went on for us because once it was out live in the world, just seeing the pickup, it was on um, BBC, it was on the Letterman show when Dave Letterman, um, before he retired, it, you know, having him do a top 10 for dogs driving was nuts, you know, like to yeah. see the work that we'd been involved with um, on mm. so many news outlets, but also countries. Every country was was um, was covering it on news channels. Yeah, the exposure was insane. Like even like obviously me coming from Germany, um, like, you know, I got calls from uh, mates of mine. They were like, oh, weren't you involved with this? Like, this is all over the news. Like, apparently it was, um, you know, this big thing was a massive exposure for not only, like, SPCA dogs, it was for New Zealand and what New Zealand stands for with these sort of shelter dogs and everything. I think it was an amazing project and um, very, very proud um, to be part of that. And, you know, the exposure, what happened after that that sort of particularly um, project there was uh, absolutely amazing, amazing. Really, yeah. really cool. And, 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 it was literally that type of project that when you look at the videos, it just has so many more memories around it for the team that was involved. And what's really cool is seeing those viral videos and seeing everybody. I'm like, Oh my God, there I am on the hill filming. Like I got out filming and there you are in the center filming and running around point. I was like, I was just thinking about it. It's like it's so crazy. You're standing in front of a car with a drive with a dog driving it right towards you. <laughs> Pretty oh, crazy. Man, and I got I, I got almost run over by Monty Hey because of that <laughs> because I wanted this like really dramatic low angle shot. And I was sitting there right until last minute, and then I remembered. Oh shoot, man! It's a dog driving. <laughs> Jump off. It might not stop for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's crazy. We'll have a link to it. And if you've never seen a dog driving a car, it is yeah. it is the funniest thing to actually see when they're just sitting up really straight with their hands on the wheels and then they're yeah. turning the wheel and taking yeah. the corner. It's just classic stuff. Noah, like my son, he's seven now. Wait, obviously, our, our two fellas are in the same age, Blair. Yeah. Um, so Noah, seven years old. And I, I remember he was um, literally, when was that? 2013. He's born 2012. So uh, even with, with, you know, one, two, three years old along the way, I kept showing him the driving dogs because it's such a fun thing for kids to watch. And still to today, he remembers that. Someone's like, Daddy, can we watch driving dogs again? He loves it. You know, he loves seeing them in the car and just, you know, doing this steering wheel action and you know it's pretty cool awesome and now it's time for the pro video picks so the pro video pick this could be anything that you really want in your professional life what is a pro video pick for you okay i'm gonna go really wide on this one the internet <laughs> i haven't heard of it because, what's that <laughs> yeah yeah it's amazing you should try it man you should actually really try it. it's very handy so look uh, it is as you know we talked about a lot of learning and tutorials and training yourself and getting the best out of the best out of everything sort of uh, wanting to look at and just research being able to research nowadays for me um even though it's a super flat white sort of thing but i think to what you can do nowadays online and the people you find, the, the projects you sort of uh, get exposed to, um, 
um, how easy you can hook up with people online, you know, yeah. how you can follow different uh, creatives or like find different ways of approaching things. I think, um, you know, for me, what made my life really easier if I compare back in the day when I started up to now, it's definitely the, 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 definitely the net man like the way you can actually get so you find so many resources of of uh, information um whatever it is you do and i think you know obviously particularly in our industry it's uh, all the creative uh, sort of things in production and it doesn't matter if it's motion design camera work or directing or uh lighting or you know if still today even though i i have had such a uh uh, wide sort of range of different departments in my career. Every now and then I get a brief where I go, I'm not really sure yet how I'm going to light this year, you know, and I start researching. And the first thing what I do is like I jump on Google and, and, and type in the right words and, and you find so much. And I think, you know, to wrap that up without going too much into it, but um, I think that's good. And for any for any young person, you know, starting up, I think um, don't be afraid to go out there, make yourself a website, get your content out, start hooking up with people, you know, um, just see what's out there. And it's amazing where you end up sometimes, you, you end up somewhere in, in Poland in a, in, in a very small little town via link and link and after link and link, you suddenly are in, in, a, in a production house, which you've never heard of, they're doing amazing stuff. And, um, you know, you only find them, you know, via Google, really. Yeah, so, it does make everyone a lot more accessible. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure if that's a pro pick because it's nothing new <laughs> for me. It definitely, definitely uh, made my life easier for sure. It it def- it's made me think about how it used to be, and I remember yeah. um, studying, learning, growing. It was either going to the library or ordering DVDs. You might get some training material on how to use the software from DVDs. But it was also just books. I remember learning Maya and um, way back, and yeah. we had books. It makes me remember actually. Um, remember when we when I switched the agency over from Maya to Cinema 4D, and oh, you, yeah. Yeah. you had you had been using Cinema 4D, and I was like so yeah. reluctant to let go of all yeah. that knowledge and experience I had in working with Maya for years. Oh man, we also swapped from uh, uh, Final, Final Cut, Cut to, to Premiere yeah. at, at the time when we started doing Driver Dogs. Actually, back to that quickly, but um, that was also a biggie for us. You know, it was well, we um, had to because it was like um, you know we took it. We oh, couldn't, yeah. we couldn't yeah. transcode the content. You were filming, like, talk about, like, every angle. I think we had, like, 14 cameras on one shoot, and it's like we couldn't <laughs> transcode all the content. It's like, you had, like, eight cameras in the car alone. I know, and they sort of died off one after the other because we were running out of batteries. <laughs> but... Uh, it was like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, um, again, back to technology has changed. Like, technology really did have changed, ha- has changed so much um, for us to be able now to do incredible things. For, um, you know, like you mentioned DaVinci uh, before, it was such an expensive uh, color grading tool. And now you literally download it for free. Not only that, um, you also get free training online when yeah. you find the right people you follow and stuff. You, you get amazing stuff out there. Like, yeah. um, you can research specific looks, not just how DaVinci works. You can research specific looks. Um, and, and I think that is for me, um, like you say, when I think back in the day when you started, we're actually just cleaning out our house at the moment. Um, and I found a um, an Avid book, you know. Right. Uh, you know, I think there's Avid 4 or something. I can't even remember. But there was that's how I started sort of looking into editing. I looked into, like, how do you operate that thing with a book? Yeah. Um, ridiculous. Now thinking about when I just punch it into Google and find so much resource. So definitely, yeah, it's amazing. It has changed. Yeah, well, that was my, my point. Having learned Maya using a book and then moving yeah. to Cinema 4D, not only was it really intuitive because you're working off a foundation of knowledge already of a 3D app, but there's just yeah. so much more content available because um, Grayscale Gorilla had been starting out, I don't know, about 2009-ish. So he'd been going for a couple of years when I transitioned. But he had already yeah. had so many great videos that it so quickly just felt really comfortable. And, and, and it was it was just um, that time of the internet just allowing so much information. And for us to have gone through it, to remember yeah. what it was like before that. 
Yeah, and and look, I think for me as well, uh, I'm not a big fan of of social media really as such. Yes, I am on Facebook and I use it and stuff like that. But what I'm finding amazing now is um, I love LinkedIn uh, because looking at it from the professional side of things, um, you can really find people on LinkedIn and people find you. I randomly sometimes get messages and 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 you know um, friend or like connection requests of people, um, you know, which I find really interesting. And and you know then following them on LinkedIn and seeing what they post, um, just being able to to connect with each other all around the globe with all of that sort of uh, stuff and these tools, yeah. I think that's just absolute gold. Yeah, awesome, man. Okay, so um, following. So who are you following? Now, it doesn't have to be online. It could be in real life. It could be just, again, is there somebody or something, a team maybe, yeah. or, that inspires you? Yeah, so um, I thought about that a lot, and again, you know, me being a bit, little bit of a of a <laughs> of a surfer online, finding all sorts of stuff. So I think my um, and you actually, you you're the one actually uh, who got me onto Evernote. So oh, you should yeah. see my Evernote now, man. It's <laughs> just filled up with stuff. I don't even find anything anymore because there's so much on it. <laughs> so um, you know, I I surf a lot, and I end up in random places. I I don't follow a specific person or company as such because there's so many amazing people doing work out there um there's one or two which i really like and one is actually bringing me probably back to the other question which is later on you know who should get on the show next um there's a company in um in germany and i think in frankfurt and hamburg uh they're called the marmalade um they do uh basically they call themselves the marmalade visual engineering so these guys really I thought they're really interesting because what they do, they're using um, you know robotic arms and engineering combined with creativity and slow motion shots and amazing moves. Check them out. They, um, so I think it's themarmalade.com. Um, awesome. They are just um, amazing what they do. Like uh, really inspiring um, to see how they connect. You know, clever engineering with creativity and combine this in such an amazing way with like slow motion shots and stuff. They um, they're doing amazing stuff. So yeah. Sounds really really intriguing. Awesome, man. Inspirational video. So is there an inspirational video that you'd like to share with everyone? Yeah, so I've got three here, um, actually. um, 3D? No, no, I've got (laughs) 3 (laughs) D. No, I've got um, three different links I'd like to share, but I'm not sure if you need that many. So um, I just came across um, the latest iPhone 11 um, ad which um, David Leach, who is the director of John Wick and uh, Deadpool 2, he made a commercial with Apple um, called Snowball. And um, that's entirely shot on, on, on the iPhone 11. Um, and not that I'm a big supporter of shooting stuff on the phone, for sure not, but um, he's done an amazing job and that's something you should really check out. Uh, just came across that, I think on LinkedIn or somewhere, someone shared it. And um, yeah, it's incredible, but you know, we talked about that, um, you know, content and crew and scaling and stuff like that. So, you know, if you watch this, um, please also watch the behind the scenes because I think it's 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 a it's a great proof that uh, it's not necessarily the iPhone which makes that piece what it is. Um, there was obviously a whole crew. There was you know great talent. There was uh, you know the kids got uh, you know proper action uh, action drills. Yeah. You know, uh, um, it was it was a whole production behind that, um, but. It's amazing what he's done on just the uh, iPhone 11, so awesome. it's definitely worth checking it out. It's called Snow Brawl, um, and it's the latest uh, iPhone 11 ad. Wicked. Awesome, yeah. man. That's great. Yeah. So uh, if people are wanting to um, follow you or check you out online, where's the best place to go? Yeah, so I think the best place in future would probably be uh, marcosiraki.com, um, as well as obviously LinkedIn and um, you know online or Instagram. There's at the moment there's three Instagram channels, so the marcosiraki Instagram channel is probably one I'm going to be um, you know feeding uh, stuff to the most in future because. Um, yeah, there's a big change happening on my side as well. So we haven't uh, have mentioned it, but um, we're just about to. We just sold our house here in uh, Auckland, and uh, we're wrapping up our lives in New Zealand. And uh, we're off to Sweden in the new year, which is going to be very exciting. So um, 
the way I'm going to be operating over there is probably more um, as an individual. I'm using MarcusRacket.com as an individual director, as well as still running geeks, hopefully with New Zealand here and there via Content Boutique. Yeah. But um, I want to go out there and see um, what's going to happen in Europe. So you know, using all my expertise, I've uh, you know I've worked with absolutely amazing people here in New Zealand, and it's always going to be such a big part of who I am. Um, but yeah, we made a decision to go back to Europe and, um, we probably heading over sort of January, February next year, 2020, moving to Sweden. And then, um, you know, I'm starting to, you know, hit the international market in Europe a little bit more and see what happens. Yeah. Um, you're going to be really missed, uh, by a lot of people in New Zealand market, man, oh. but, but I, I'm sure that there'll be future projects oh. that you can fly back and direct and, but just wishing you and your family a safe trip and, yeah, all the best, and I know that you're going to be amazing over in Europe, and I think a, a larger market for you to really flex your muscles even more. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, and look back to the being missed, honestly, um, it, it was not an easy decision to make, because like, you know, we've been here 14 years, man, it's a long time, you know, oh, yeah. and um, I've got so many amazing contacts here, you know, like, I mean, there's amazing people here, and um yeah, it's it's um, we will miss a lot of people, but at the same time, we know if we're ever going to do that, we're going to have to do that now. You know, obviously there's family reasons and you know anything else, but um, career-wise, I think um, it is very amazing for me now to to use all my expertise what I've got now and and see what's happening over there. And like you say, you know, it's always good to hear <laughs> that you think I'm going to be doing well because like it is going to be such a much bigger market. And um, you know, I I'm, I'm really looking forward to to start working with um some companies over there and see um yeah see how that goes yeah i have no doubt because you've just got the drive and the ambition and the talent to to really push your career forward and create some great work so i can't wait to see what you do over there and um in the future we'll get you back on and have a chat about that transition for you and that experience um it'll be really awesome, interesting to, to hear thank you very much good to hear Wicked. Okay, Good last stuff. question before we go yep. is who should be on the show? And you've already said it, but just yeah, yeah, one yeah. more time. Look, and and um, not sure if you have ever heard of them, you know, but, you know, I, I'd love for you to get these guys on because honestly, check them out, what they do. Again, the Marmalade, um, they are in Frankfurt and Hamburg. Visual engineering, they're doing amazing stuff. And I think it's more um, around the fact how they use the different elements in order to make insane shots. Um, you know, there's like typical very fast robotic arms and stuff. They're using it all the time to get specific shots when, you know, especially commercial work, I think what they do, um, you know, they've worked done for Coca-Cola and all sorts of big sort of, um, you know, brands uh, where, you know, there's amazing shots you sometimes see when, you know, glass falls over and then as the glass sort of spills over the table, like the camera moves around it and follows the, the 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 fluid like sort of dropping down on the floor and obviously that's done within split seconds and 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 these guys you know doing that sort of stuff it's it's quite amazing so yeah have a chat to them it would be very interesting yeah we'll do i think i have come across them in the past like um yeah if it's who i'm thinking of yeah. But uh no, it is. Yeah, I actually saw something online with them not that long ago. Really cool mm. um approach to getting impossible shots and it's quite interesting seeing um in motion design and visual effects, you know, particle simulations and people Yeah. And it's 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 really interesting, I think, the amount of work and the effort that goes into it, really appreciate it. But actually the beauty of getting something real in camera and that feels um, unreal in the way that it's captured. It's always really cool to see that work. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing for me. I think I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of technology, as as you know. Uh, whenever there's a new stabilizer or like whatever comes out, I'm the first one looking into that. You know, wanting to know more about like what can that do, what other things can't, and um, every tricky brief where you sort of really have to think a little bit about um, what te technology you can use in order to make things happen. Like that is really like I find this very exciting how you bring um, different elements together in order to to get there so um, cool. it's like a little little challenge you know yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. awesome man well um, thank you so much for being on the show it's I've, well, I've wanted to do this episode for a long time as you know 
same. <laughs> it's hard yeah. when you're always out of the country or f- or out of the out of Auckland when you're filming yeah. or you're working on a project. And I know the last couple of months has been quite massive as well, sorting out, yeah. um, packing up, selling, and moving yeah. as well. So thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, man. It was a pleasure. And uh, keep 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 that up, Blair, because I love I love that podcast, man. It's it's good stuff. Really, really cool. So good work. We'll do, mate. We'll do. Thank you, everybody, for listening as well. And please go to iTunes, rate and review. It it helps with other people coming across the show. Really appreciate you doing that, please. Um, Oh, God, I'm begging here. Anyway, um, also the Slack group. We'll have a link to the Slack group. And please feel free to come along and join the Slack group. And there's so many different discussions happening um yeah it's a really good place to just connect one-on-one and just share and it's a little bit more personal than the social medias which i'm a bit more detached from as well i just like having an opportunity to chat freely in a slack channel it's just a lot easier and um, more real time so please join that as well until next week have a great one and we'll catch you next time all right bye Wicked man, that's us. 